Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Miss Brooke LeBlanc. Brooke LeBlanc is the founder and CEO of Edge, a consumer health tech startup on a mission to help you cut back or quit drinking. Through her experience in tech sales and over two years sobriety journey, she's helped coach dozens of people to abstain from drinking. Now she's building a team to productize her learnings and using technology to allow you to track your blood alcohol content in real time to tell a fuller picture of your drinking consumption and patterns. Edge is in stealth, currently raising their first round, and you're getting a sneak peek into her background as the founder and insight into the future of drinking. Brooke shares content around her sobriety journey online at Brooke LeBlanc on Twitter and has built a community and following around her mission. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Hey, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to be here. I know. Just shout out to us. For those of you listening, we had this idea yesterday or two days ago, maybe, and we are fully recording this on a Saturday morning. Like, look at us. We're just, we're builders. We are just working on a Saturday. (laughs) And we've come a long way because we first met over a year ago in Los Angeles Yep, at a party and I was talking about sobriety and you overheard me and said, I don't drink either. And that's how we first connected. So I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, I can't believe you remember that. Was that really the first? Because I knew we met at that event, but I didn't know like, yeah, party event. I didn't know what was like the initial meeting. Was it someone introduced us or I just came up to you and I was like, I heard what you were saying. Yep. You came up to me at a Web3 event in the Pacific Palisades. Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot. I thought it was a different event. No. Yeah, you're totally right. It was um, Mavion. Yep. <laughs> my mind is blown right now. I haven't thought about that event in like forever. I totally came up to you. You were standing by that little ledge. And I remember at that time I was thinking like, gosh, like, I don't even know if this will be worth it. Like I'm driving all the way to the Palisades. Like I like Web3, but I'm not like really doing anything in it. I just think it's interesting. And um, oh my gosh, we met from that. And then I think we saw each other like within the week at another event and we just kept seeing each other at events. Yep. Is that right? Every every week. Yeah. <laughs> every week we would like run into each other. We'd be like, I'm like, what are you doing here? So we had to become friends. Okay. Well, before we get into the meat of the convo and all things sobriety and you and your amazing story, we like to start every show with like a fun question and you can take it any direction you want. So what is something new that you've learned in this past week? It can be personal. It can be professional. For those of you who don't know, Brooke is really good at, I want to hear how you describe it, but you are always reading and looking at signs around the world and learning new things. You're like endlessly curious, which is something when I think of you, I think you're always just meeting new people and absorbing new content. And so I'm actually very curious to hear your answer because you're someone who I think is like always, always learning, even while building, which not many people do. 
Thank you. I really like to feed my intellectual curiosities. I think it makes me a more well-rounded person. Today's the weekend, so I just got my New York Times in the mail. And I'm probably the only person who's a Gen Z who gets the daily uh, print paper, the newspaper. (laughs) And those things are just small ways where I've found that the quality of your creativity as someone who is a maker or a creator or founder depends on how diverse your inputs are. So that's why I like to read about the world news. Um, I read a lot of books. So I live across the street from a bookstore. So I just got the book, Hacker's Mind, all of which to say something that I really want to share on the pod and that's relevant to our discussion today. And it's a huge, huge piece of news in the sobriety space because it's going to push the movement forward on a global perspective is that this week, Ireland is the first country in the world that by 2026, all of their alcohol is going to have a warning label on the alcohol that's more in depth than don't operate motor vehicles. And if you're pregnant, don't consume this. It's going to talk more about the health risks, the calories behind each beverage. And they're an industry leader um, to do this. And it's really going to help consumers be more informed about what they're putting in their bodies. Whoa, go Ireland. Yeah. That's incredible. And I would have never guessed they were the country of all. Like if you had me say, what's a country that will never stop drinking alcohol and cares the least about the health effects? It's like, huh. My Irish friends drink all the time. And when I've gone to Ireland, that does seem to be a concern of theirs. Good for them. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into why we have you on the show. So this is going to be a fun show. We sometimes do, you know, our audience knows we do sometimes regular interviews. Sometimes I'll do a solo episode. And then sometimes we do these explained episodes. And you kind of can't pick who is going to be an explained guest. It really just depends on their background. And we really dive deep into a topic. And so... When I think of the sobriety space, the non-alcoholic movement, we'll, we'll get into the wording choices in a bit, you come to mind. And of course, we're friends and we're both in tech. But I think when it comes to being an expert and really studying a topic, like you are the person that has done that in many ways. And so I can't wait to have you on and just chat about all things sobriety movement, why you're so passionate about it, what are really the health consequences to it, and just like get into the meat of it. And also like your story, which I think is so indicative of of why you got so passionate about it. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, so first is wording. How should we, what should we be calling this? Like I was even thinking for this episode, is sobriety the word you like to use? Like walk me through the language here and how you think I should be talking about it in the episode. Yeah, sobriety is the best word to use today. It's shorthand for someone who doesn't drink. And sober curious is a term that you'll likely hear me use. And that's a term for someone who's interested in cutting back or quitting drinking, but they don't want to go all the way in, which means cut out drinking for the rest of their life. And this is quite a controversial topic. I was rereading back over Holly Whitaker's book, which is called Quit Like a Woman. And that is a huge bestseller in the sobriety space. And she talks about something that I've seen in the recovery community, which is for some people, sobriety is so black and white. It's very binary. You you either do consume not just alcohol, but all state-changing ingredients, or you choose none of it, and there's no gray area. And that is not what the younger consumer sees in their life. That's We reject labels. So I'm the oldest Gen Z you'll come across. So I'm 26 years old. I can speak from experience and all my friends and everyone I've seen and met throughout my life that the younger generations, we, we don't want to be defined. We're very rebellious in nature. And 
there's there's phrases that I've heard from consumers like weekday sober, where you don't drink on the weekdays, or you're California sober, which means you do THC or CBD products and you don't drink alcohol. So there's there's going to be a shift towards a new definition. But as of today, we can use the word sober. I love it. And I, I'm so excited about the trends that you talk about, because I think that really is the most interesting part that we're all feeling is like this next generation does not want to drink as much alcohol as the generation before. And I know you know the stats better than anyone, but maybe we like touch on that for a sec. And, and I know we just talked about it recently, but what are those stats? Like, are there any that stand out that are like, oh my gosh, people do not realize the difference between generations? Yeah, it's it's a wide margin between Gen Z and millennial, a lot of which have to do with the timing of COVID, the pandemic that caused a lot of people to go inward, focus on their health habits and really prioritize. When you go through a global pandemic, you really take a look at your health and how you can stack the odds in your favor to not have something happen to you like a cancer or an unwanted death or an early death. So when it comes to our generation, Gen Z, one in three Gen Z are cutting back and one in four Gen Z are not drinking at all. So it's pretty astounding. Yeah. What's the, is there a gender piece to that? Like, did you, did you see if there was any like male versus female for the one in three and one in four? Or is that not in the data? It's mixed. I've read reports. I can't speak to this exactly, but I have read reports that there's more consumption for women, which is a lot of the work that Holly Whitaker talks about because her platform that got acquired by Monument, it was called Tempest and it was only for women. It was a recovery platform for women. Um, so she has a lot of rich data on that. And that was Chrissy Teigen's thing, right? Wasn't she really involved or what's that story there? I feel like I saw Chrissy Teigen mention Tempest online. Yeah, I'm not sure if she went through the program. I know she shared that she read the book and she had her own sobriety journey because she was trying for a kid again with John Legend and then decided to cut it out completely. And there's other celebrities too, like Bella Hadid, because she's a part of Ken now, she's one of the co-founders. She's shared that she's newly six months sober. So it's really cool to see celebrities get in and be loud and proud about making a healthier decision for themselves. Totally. Well, that is the perfect segue into... There's the Bella Hadids and the Chrissy Teigens, which are the major celebrities. I would go so far to say you're in your own way a micro celebrity, <laughs> especially in this space. I can say that because it's me and you're my good friend. And I think that's such an important piece of this movement. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it is being an authentic human that talks about their own journey and seeing if it resonates with others. And I bring this up because from my understanding, this really triggered like a crazy year, year and a half journey of you writing content or more specifically one incredible piece of content about your journey that has been seen by so many people and you've been a voice for a lot of the Gen Z folks, especially in the tech world that want to go sober or are getting sober. And I mean, you've shown me what some people will say and you know like it's crazy how much your voice your story your micro celebrity status in the tech ecosystem has really really changed the narrative around this just you so walk me through more of what that experience has been like with writing and content creation and maybe we can even go back to like that first essay the, the or the essay at least that everyone knows you for which we'll link in the show notes so everyone can go read it after this and share it <laughs> Yes, that essay. It's titled The Decision That Changed My Life Becoming Sober. 
I wrote it in one sitting and it actually, I wrote it one year and one month after I got sober. And it was because after my one year mark, so my date, my sobriety date is October 4th, 2020. So one year later, I tweeted out that I was sober and that made waves. Uh, (laughs) That was very controversial at the time to talk about something that is a taboo topic. Uh, It's quite contrarian, at least in 2021 it was, uh, especially in tech, probably only five people, maybe 10 people knew about my journey at the time. It was very held close to the chest because it was a decision I wanted to make for myself and I didn't want anyone to sway me off my path. And after a year, I felt pretty secure. I had experienced my first wedding sober and gone through some milestones where I felt pretty comfortable in my new identity of, of a sober person. So because of that one viral tweet, over a million impressions, I got hundreds of DMs everyone asked, did you have a problem and how did you get or stay sober? So some of it was intrusive, (laughs) but I found the truth in it, which is that people are actually just genuinely curious. So I thought, what's the best way that I could help someone else? And it would be telling my story. So I wrote up a blog post in one sitting. I didn't ask anyone for edits. I just put it online and I actually wrote it on Mirror, which is like medium on the blockchain. So it's immutable. I cannot delete it online. And that was, so I put my life story on the blockchain. Bold move. (laughs) I feel like you're kind of like that. Sometimes you're like, fuck it. We're just going for it. (laughs) Which I have mad respect for. You have to be that way sometimes. Like rip the bandaid, you know? When you have conviction, follow through. (laughs) And I've never felt so exposed. I turned my phone off that night after I published it and just woke up to all these messages, uh, hundreds more messages. And that that blog post is still circulating online. Mirror recognized it as one of their most clicked on articles on their entire website. It was just really, really, it went far on the internet. And the most important thing is that I had conversations with people who said, you have a voice, you, you can make a difference. You need to build something around this. And I had been wanting to be a founder and I didn't realize it was in this space until that essay went viral. And I felt like I could make an impact. At that moment, I knew I had founder market fit and I had been on the search for what's the product? What can I build that actually is effective? And it helps solve this problem that I'm obsessed with, which is if we can all have consensus on and agree that drinking is not the healthiest decision for us, why do we do it? Why do we drink? And and I've been on this, you know, I've read books, articles, just constantly being curious as someone who every day I don't drink that, that contributes to my user research. You know, I ask for mocktails at the bar. I see what people say back. I talk to people online all the time. I share my journey constantly. And so I've had this dialogue and built a community around it. And that's, that's what's inspired uh, my founder journey so far. And I really, Last night, I had two people in tech. One person came up to me who's sober curious, who had a mocktail with them. The other friend is three months sober now, and we hung out his first night sober. So it's I, I know it's making a difference. And no matter who's listening to this, if something that I've shared on this podcast today or something you've read about what I've shared makes a difference in your life, tell us, tag us, let us know. It means a lot. It helps me wake up in the morning. Like That's why I do it is to make an impact and build a real business that causes change in a way that actually helps people. And it's it's not BS. It's real. I just, I'm a founder and a person who cares a lot about the people that they serve. And I can vouch for that. I see that every day. And I think like to your point, I will say like, it's really hard to build something. And it's those messages that are your fuel. 
you know, like it, it makes the hard days worth it. And I mean, I joke with people like I have a good things people say folder and I just drop stuff in there when people say nice things about me or agree with the vision, right? Like you need that. You need that to keep going. And yeah, I know your, your heart is a hundred percent in the right place and I can already see the waves you're making. It's amazing. In terms of, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, like in terms of building a business versus building a media empire, this is something that I think so much about, and they're often very intertwined. Like you can think of some of like, you know, the more well-known businesses, like a morning brew, like they're kind of one in the same. They're like a media empire that kind of is also a business, definitely is a business, but so you can do both, but sometimes they're different. And I say that because I've been having these thoughts and you know, I keep, I've been pushing you on this and pushing myself on this of like, Sometimes amazing, amazing, amazing content should just be content and doesn't always need to be like a big scalable business. Sometimes it does. And sometimes it really needs to. I'm so curious, like your thought process behind from a media side, just writing amazing essays, being like a content creator, maybe launching a podcast, maybe just doing blogs and going like truly the media route, which we know very well on Twitter versus going the business route and you share whatever you're comfortable sharing about what you're working on now. But I'm so curious to hear you articulate to everyone too, because I'm sure a lot of people have that question because you have this founder market fit, like media versus business. How'd you make the decision you made and and why? Yeah, I fully agree with you on a lot of your points that in today's landscape, it's near free. I mean, it costs your time, sometimes a little bit of energy and resources, but for the most part, you have permissionless leverage to build an audience around a topic you care about and a real path to monetization. And you're doing yourself a disservice not to put your voice online, especially as a young person. Let's say that again. Let's say that again, (laughs) because people need to hear that. If you miss what Brooke just said, say it again. You're doing yourself a disservice not to put your voice online. Facts. It's really, it's a path to freedom and whatever you care about, whether or not it's related to your career or you just want to make money, uh, maybe you're pursuing something in the music industry and you want to be heard, or you have you care a lot about a social cause and you don't know how to make change. I really think that no matter what domain you're in, it doesn't have to be in tech or you don't have to be aspiring, an aspiring entrepreneur, which is a hard path to go, <laughs> go down, especially raising venture and um, going, for, going for gold there. I really think that it. my life has exponentially unfolded in ways that I could have never expected. I've reached people that I would have never been able to reach had I just depended on my next door neighbor or the people in my... Now I live in a larger city, but I grew up in a relatively small town. So I've I've really... I've grown up with the internet. <laughs> I, I will always have an online presence. And I think that that's not a goal that... I think that that's a goal that feeds into the business a lot. I've seen a lot of founders gain success because you have a built-in distribution model if you've built audience. So when we do come... And as we know, oh, yeah. distribution over product. Got to just <laughs> put that out there. The classic thing, but yeah, it is true. It's true. You can build a better product, but if you start with strong distribution, you will probably win. Okay, keep going. You're right. Yeah, they say first-time founders focus on product, second-time founders focus on distribution. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. how do I learn that mistake now from other people <laughs> as a first-time founder? 
yeah, it's it's wildly important, especially when you're building something that you care a lot about the user experience. You fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So I'm less focused on the product at this stage because we're still early stage. We're in stealth mode, but I'm so much more focused on what's the problem of our customer? How do we solve it for them? And keep them coming back and create a product that's delightful and rewarding. And it makes the barrier of trying out sobriety or we say cut back or quit drinking on our product. How do we lower that barrier? How do we make it easy? How do we make it fun? How do we make it approachable in a way that a version of myself three years ago before I quit drinking, I never would have thought sobriety's for me because sobriety seemed so far out of reach. It never, it didn't seem like any of my friends were doing it. Why would it be for me? I didn't have a problem. I was fortunate to not have a physical dependency, so I wasn't addicted. I've seen so many gains in my life through cutting it out. I have so much more time and energy to devote to my real priorities in life. And with that, I want to lead by example as a founder of this company and as a human being who creates content to show people that they can make a change in their lives too, um, especially in your 20s when everything's up in the air. And who wouldn't want more time and energy back to focus on what's important to you and set the trajectory for the rest of your life? And that's reason enough to not do it. So it sounds like you we're able to create a lot of impact with media, having your your public opinions online, reaching people you otherwise couldn't. But the starting a business and building a product is more about getting other people to implement that change is what it sounds like. And you could like be writing forever. You could be doing blogs forever. And that's one thing that I struggle with too is like words are words and they're amazing and they create a lot of impact. Do not get me wrong. That's why we read books all the time and love music and all that. But there's something really powerful about getting people to take action that like I think actually often having a business is kind of one of the ways you have to do that. So am I explaining that right in terms of like why why the business got added onto the media stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, it gives people a home to come back to. So they could read my blog post or they could read it again a year later if they wanted the memory recall or they, they there was a piece that they wanted to clip out and they wanted to save it on their screensaver. But that's not making the impact that I want to make. I want a product that's going to live with you, that's going to accurately reflect your sobriety journey. It's not just going to be, we're not building a product that's numbers. Um, so right now for me, because I'm a non-drinker and I haven't drank for cumulatively almost a thousand days, which is wild. Um, we can throw you a party. <laughs> we, July 1st, let's go. <laughs> oh, I won't be in New York then. We're going to throw you like a thousand thirty party when I arrive, Okay. A belated, um, <laughs> a belated, a thousand, yeah. It's it's wild, but that's that's really what the majority of like the old school way of thinking is. Is it's just a tracker and it's just a number and that's your number and like put it away in a shoebox. You're good. That's your number. You made the decision. Good to go. I speak to a lot of consumers and I also speak to a lot of customers. So there's a customers on the CPG side. So I have relationships with some of the largest, actually the largest non-alcoholic bottle shop in the world today. They told me that 86% of their customers are not fully sober when they walk in the door. They have a lot of data on their customer base. So the majority of people don't want just a thousand day cumulative marker. They want an app that's going to accurately reflect their blood alcohol content in real time. That's going to tell them rewarding messages based on the health goals they set for themselves. Whether or not you want to go sober for two weeks or you just want to cut back for six weeks, whatever's important to you, we want to help you achieve it through support and accountability. And we're also productizing this because I've started doing more formal coaching. So I'm, I'm training for a marathon right now. And 
for the charity. This is the the Berlin Marathon and the charity is called Haymakers for Hope. And we help people who have cancer. A part of my fundraise is that I'm doing coaching sessions by donation only. And so I talk to people all day long about this. And this is something that I want to embed into our product which is just being more hands-on and adding that extra layer of service that you can't get if you're just checking my Instagram stories or my my Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's such an important distinction. And I, I, for one, am very excited and glad you're doing it. But I think it is really important to walk through that decision because I think a lot of people, especially in our industry, are kind of at that crossroads of like, does this turn into a business or does this stay a media empire? Let's talk for a second about what are the health effects of not drinking alcohol. And one of the things that I love about your approach is, and it resonates with me, is like this idea that you can be like weekday sober. You can have like one drink once in a while. It's not this black and white thing. Like you have this great phrase where you talk about like lifestyle versus recovery. Like it's not about complete avoidance. It's just about awareness. So like walk me through what are like the real health effects of drinking alcohol or not drinking alcohol. And I I say this because I know Andrew, Andrew Huberman did like a podcast about this and that kind of got everyone going crazy. I think, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think it was something like if you have more than two drinks a week, it's like negatively affecting your health. But walk me through like what are some of those health effects? So if someone's listening, if someone's listening right now and they're like, yeah, you know, I've thought about it, but I don't know. Is it really like that much of a difference? What would you say to that person? Yeah. Oh, it's a decision that you have to come to on your own. So anything I give is just my advice or my lived experience. You're right about the study on Huberman. That is what he says. And that study has actually informed policy. So in Canada, they're the first country in the world to update. So for the US, it would be our CDC. I'm not sure what the formal government kind of back-end system is for Canada, but they've they've adopted that same science. So they've alerted everyone and every single Canadian that, hey, we're following that guideline, no more than two drinks per week. Doesn't matter about your gender or your BMI, so your body composition, um, irrespective of all of that, cut down <laughs> or or you'll be at a much higher risk for health risks. So what that means is alcohol is a class one carcinogen. One in seven people will develop a cancer in their lifetime that's significant. I know I can speak from experience growing up in a public school in the United States. We had the DARE program, which was a scare tactic and fear-mongering in a way to tell us that alcohol is a gateway drug. If you dare take a drink, you'll experience all of these other types of drugs and all these symptoms and you'll be addicted right away and never do it. Don't have a drink in your life. And then I leave the classroom and I go home and I see my parents have a drink or it's just the, the messaging of what we were kind of told growing up, at least in the nineties and two thousands didn't really make sense with consumer behavior. So there's this cognitive dissonance and that's, that's really what led me to start drinking because I was a drinker previously. And a lot of the old school way of thinking. I know a lot of the kind of health risks that we were told growing up is that, oh, drinking affects your liver, but that's not going to be a problem in 20, 30 years from now. Just because it's not something you can see visually doesn't mean it's not affecting you. And alcohol is a neurotoxin. It affects your brain health. It affects your gray matter. As we know, it drastically affects your sleep quality. I read very recently that there's there's an adage that it takes 24 hours for alcohol to circulate through your blood system. It actually takes seven days to fully circulate through. So if you're drinking every weekend, your body's affected by alcohol, even if you drank last weekend. Like it's it's cumulative in your body. Alcohol is a short-term stimulant. So it gives you a euphoric high when you have it. 
long-term depressant. So it makes you depressed over time. Your body gets used to it. So it builds up a tolerance. So you require more drinks over time. All of this to say, it's not to scare you if you are a drinker, if you want to continue drinking, but you're on a journey, a health journey, because I used to drink. (laughs) So I'm right there with you. It's just something to be aware of because, you know, a lot of these studies, like the, the study where red wine is good for your health, (laughs) <laughs> one glass of red wine a night that was sponsored by an by an alcohol uh major alcohol as they brand. usually are as they usually the way, are as they usually are <laughs> like why do we have eggs and bacon for breakfast you know sponsored like paid for that's why marketing yeah so yeah a lot of this work too is uncovering not just the consumer behavior behind why do we drink but really what are the systems that set up that cause one person to become an addict or to drink heavily versus another. And it's been quite a journey looking at the policy and the business pressures behind how other people are affected by alcohol. And there's just, I'm so grateful for that Huberman podcast. It was his number one most listened to podcast in all of 2022 because it really, he said, he spoke about things in a way that didn't instill fear in people. He really just wanted to spread awareness about drinking. And I know in the tech industry specifically earlier this year in March, uh, Mark Andreessen tweeted that he's a sober curious and he wants Elon Musk to stop selling cars and go solve this problem. And, (laughs) and so that's, that's really cool is having people with a big name use their platform for good and say, let's wake up to what's happening. Let's empower people to make a better decision for themselves and on their own terms. Thank you for walking through all that. I think the big thing too that really shines through in what you say to me and what you say to others is it is such a you choice. And that like the reason for the product that you're building is to make it customizable and have people figure it out on their own. And with that being said, I'd love to hear however much you're comfortable sharing like your decision to become sober. I'm sure that's like the question in a lot of people's minds. I wanted to wait till we were farther in our chat to bring it up because I wanted to get all the, the you know, the good meaty stuff out. You know, it's COVID. Why did you stop drinking? And what what was that trigger point for you that made you say, I want my life to look differently? <laughs> There's so many ways I could answer this question. Uh, it's whatever you want, <laughs> however much you want to share. Yeah, I mean, I'm very public about it because it's it's a chapter I've closed. So Jesse Israel of The Big Quiet says, share from the scar and not from the wound. And it is most definitely a scar. So it's something I've healed from and I moved past. Um, and I'm very secure about where I'm at in life. And I luckily don't feel any cravings or temptations. I was going through a career transition. So career is a very high value uh, for me in life. It's always been a huge priority. And I was switching into startups. So this was when I was first getting into tech startups, which is a pretty tough career transition. So I was working on that and I wanted more hours back in my day. I decided to cut out for a week, just no drinking. I also cut out all social plans, which if you think back at the time, this was October, 2020, New York, COVID. (laughs) So all of these different variables led to, this is when we had masks, but before vaccines. So you couldn't go into a restaurant and dine. You had to eat outside, but it was October in the Northeast. So it was freezing. So there was basically no opportunity cost to me saying, I'm going to have no social life, focus on my career and cut out drinking. I was terrified. I told no one. (laughs) After a week, I felt so much healthier and so much better. I was working out more often, just making progress in life and tracking towards my goals. So I decided to cut it out for a month. After a month, I did three months. After three months, I said, I'm sober now. 
take it or leave it. And I lost friendships. I had an issue with a relationship that I'm not in anymore. There was, so really what you see a lot, a huge value add you get out of drinking and that I used to get out of drinking is that social belonging is a core human value. And you have that camaraderie when you're both in a different mind state and you're out in a social setting at a bar, club, or restaurant drinking. And what I didn't have is that experience, especially during COVID when I couldn't say, all right, I'm four months sober. I have ground under my feet. Let's go to a bar. It was what? February, March. It was still winter 2020, New York, (laughs) pre-vax. So I didn't really, it was kind of a really challenging time overall. I had experienced depression and anxiety during 2020, but that could have been for many reasons, not just drinking. Uh, But I have, I can say without medication, I feel wildly healthier. I'm miles away from where I was. And a lot of it has to do with every day choosing to vote for the type of person I want to be and show up as. Hell yes. (laughs) Hell yes. If there is like one word, and I know this is a hard question, but if there's one word to describe like the before and after for you, now that you're years away from it, right? It's like almost been three years, two and a half years, uh, or almost a thousand days, as we know. (laughs) What is the word? Is it confidence? Is it clarity? Is it control? Is it, what is the thing that you feel like because I, I, it's, it's hard to also know as soon as you get sober, it, it takes a while to, like you said, it's a scar, not a wound. Mm-hmm. You've like let the friendships pass. You've let, you've let things happen. You've let your life change. You're preparing for a marathon. I mean, all this amazing stuff. You're building a business. What's like the thing that you feel like you look back on? Oh my gosh, I have a lot of this now. Integrity. Mm, so good. Yeah. And integrity is kind of all we got. <laughs> yeah. Our word what we say, doing what we say we're going to do. It's all we got. Yeah. It, integrity with myself, my relationship with myself, um, how I have interpersonal relationships, how I show up for others. Even just last year at the turn of the year, I spent a lot of time, almost a full week just around the holiday season, diving into my priorities and what's important to me and what do I want to achieve and how am I going to get there? And I show up myself. I can tell you measurably over the past five, almost six months now this year, this calendar year that I have tracked towards those goals in a real meaningful way, every single goal. And it's because I hold myself accountable every day. My word for the year, I always choose a word for the year. And this is my follow-up word to integrity. It's the best. Wait, look at us. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Tell me your words for this year. And then I want to hear like a couple others that if you, if you have them. Yeah. My word for this year is embodied. Mm. How'd you land on that? I thought about what I wanted to change for this year or improve on and the mind-body connection through fitness, spirituality, meditation, like all of these other practices that I incorporate, it makes me an incredibly strong person on the inside and out. And it builds self-trust with anything in life, no matter what stage of life the listener is in, whether or not they're in their 20s or working in tech or not, everyone could have their life enriched by having more confidence. And confidence is just trust in yourself. It's do you make a promise to yourself and do you keep it? And I would add on, do you keep it every day? So what do you do every day? That's a promise you make to yourself that you keep and you follow through and you take action against. And I do that. And that is a way that I am embodied. I make gut instinct decisions. I trust myself. And that's going to show up in the way that I lead a company and the way that I train for a marathon and in every other area of my life. Yeah. And I will say like, as your friend, that is you. 
You know, like you have this real grounding about you that it makes other people want to be more like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. That's amazing. Are there any other recent words that you've that you've picked that you want to share? I love this stuff. Like, oh my God, I'm looking now at like my vision board and with my word in the center. <laughs> my vision boards are... <laughs> I have about four right there in my room too. Uh, we're in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, my word for last year was power. Mm, yeah, I love that. It's so personal, but I think having this like grounding force, everything. Amazing. Is there any unexpected benefits of going sober? It doesn't have to be something you've experienced, but maybe what someone DM'd you, because I know you get a lot of inbound from sharing your story of like, I could have never guessed that doing this would have, or cutting back, right? Going sober, cutting back, whatever that looks like for you, would have resulted in this. Is there something that comes to mind that's been super unexpected that you've seen yourself or in someone else? Oh, yeah. The misconception is that you'll experience shame when you show up at a party and you ask for a soda water or when you go on a date and you stumble over your words and say, I'm not drinking. Can I have Pellegrino instead of red wine? We think we're going to experience a lot of shame when we go home for Thanksgiving and everyone else gets poured wine and you say, no, not for me. Thanks. I'll have a Diet Coke. And we think we're going to be shamed. What I've come across is that you gain so much respect. People will look at you and say, how do I get some of that? How do I have what you're having? How do I say no in a way where no matter what room I'm in, no matter if there's a wager or a bet, if someone bets me $5 million to take a shot, I won't do it because I said I won't and I'm not a person who drinks and my identity is a sober person or a non-drinker. That gets you so much respect. And being a person who holds himself to that standard has something that they won't budge on has a mission, has a cause, has a purpose. You walk into any room and people notice you. People want to hear what else you have to say. So it's sobriety is a foundational core, at least for me and maybe other people in my life as a pillar of who they are. But that's just one of many, many, many other traits that are built on top of it. It's like a house. It's like the foundation of a house is your sobriety. So you will gain a lot of respect. And that is that has been incredibly gratifying too. I love it. And the people who don't respect buy. Just buy. It's not worth it. And yeah. to be very clear too, like if I do say so myself, I think that you and I are pretty fun, cool people and we don't drink. And like there are other friends out there. If you experience this and you experience someone judging you, shaming you, continuing to drink binge drinking, which is a whole other problem we're not, we won't get necessarily get into, like buy. There's plenty of other amazing, amazing people. And we have fun. When we hang, we have fun. We have a lot of amazing friends. We have fun. Like, and you don't need it. You really don't. And it's so personal. And I'm I'm in a different spot than you in that, like, you know, if I'm celebrating something, I might have a glass of champagne. What ends up happening is I take a sip of it and I'm like, ooh, I don't even like how that tastes anymore. I'll have an iced tea. Thank you. But I'm not, I'm not like hard and fast about it. I just rarely, rarely, rarely drink. And that's what works for me. And it's so personal. Well, I'm so excited for you. And you know I'm cheering you on big time. Is there anything else you wanted to share now about the company or are you like more to come? I don't know if you want to use this opportunity to share just a little bit more because we do have you know, some people that are going to listen to this and I'm sure they're all like, oh my gosh, who's Brooke? And I want to learn more. <laughs> yeah. At the time of this recording, we're in stealth mode and we're fundraising, which is very exciting. So we're doing um, an angel friends and family round right now 
I've recruited some incredible talent through the community of people who want to build with me. And we're building a digital health company to help you cut back or quit drinking. So it's a consumer product. We're very excited about it. It's called Edge. And that's inspired by the straight edge movement of the late 80s, early 90s, where it was cool to be sober. And that's where a lot of the subculture of hardcore punk rock came about. So the black X's on your hands. And uh, it, it was just a really cool time in history. And I've spoken to a lot of leaders from that movement who want to be involved in our product, which is such a full circle moment. Um, and so I'm really excited to share more um, once we're out of stealth and we start building out our minimum viable product. But we're going to basically provide the tools that you need to cut back or quit drinking on your own terms. I love it. Well, I appreciate you sharing more of what I know, but now everyone can know. It's a really exciting time. And I I think you really are the person that's the voice for so many. And so I thank you for that service too. Before we wrap, we do have one final question. We ask every guest, if there was one piece of advice that you would give to every 20-something, what is that one piece of advice? I... I'm going to add on to some of the stuff we've talked about previously and make this a very tactical piece of advice, which is one of the ways that I've held myself accountable to what I call my daily healthy habits, which is journaling, meditation, getting enough sleep. I can even add on personal goals like my newsletter, how many subscribers do I have and am I tracking that or my miles per week. What I do is I have this big calendar. It's a paper calendar from Target, maybe no more than $10. And every day I write a check and then what I accomplished. And this is important because it's making sure you're making deposits into your self-worth bank account and saying, today I meditated check. Today I wrote in my five-minute journal check. And not every day, especially not every morning, I'm able to accomplish everything. But by having something where even something like using a paper, you could use something digital too, but having a level of accountability to whatever you want to achieve. When I know I'm taking care of myself, everything else is taken care of. You cannot pour from an empty cup. So I would say my number one piece of advice that I'm actively practicing now as a 20 something and that I would want to share with you all is find a way to hold yourself accountable to achieving your goals in a way that feels really, really bite-sized and easy to practice on a daily basis, that stuff compounds. Get 1% better every day. If you didn't show up today, do it again tomorrow. Really just work on yourself and invest in yourself. Now is the time to do it. And it's going to compound over your 30s and 40s and all the other decades to come. I absolutely love it. I think that's also very much what Andrew talks about is this idea that like there are two ways to create change. Like There's just two ways. There is traumatic events, divorce, death, birth of kids. A lot of that is unpredictable and it's big, big change all at once. And then there's small steps. That's the only way. Neuroplasticity, right? So it's like, and there's obviously all those books about it too, but he talks about the science behind it. Like that is how your brain changes. And often the only way that you can make those small changes is if you reward yourself daily for doing it. And even that check mark is like that little reward that sends back to your brain and goes, we should do this again tomorrow okay, let's do it again tomorrow. And so there is a lot of science behind that too from a habit formation standpoint. Listeners may know I spent like almost three and a half, four years building a habit formation startup. So I could go on and on about that, (laughs) but I will not. (laughs) I will not. Brooke, thanks for being here, girl. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 
I'm so grateful for you and you know your mission and it obviously resonates with me and I'm sure this episode will resonate with a lot of other people too. And I can't wait to support your journey and see all the things you build. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts. 